When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another AMA Live. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm here to answer your questions, and it is madness. We're about to spill over into December. I literally can't believe it. This is my favorite time of year, so thank you guys so much for joining me. And a couple quick things. One, dig this grit t-shirt that I'm wearing. Check it out on shop.impacttheory.com. Get yours today. Uh, we've just hit the last two months we've hit record sales. I'm super, super excited by how much the community is embracing these bad boys. We've got a whole bunch of stuff there. So not just this, but a lot of mindset stuff. Go check it out. Get your self signal until all your dreams come true. All right. And then next up as a note, relationship theory is now podcast only and Facebook, right? So Facebook and podcast, so won't be on YouTube anymore, but you can still find it on Facebook and the podcast where it is crushing it. So if you're not already watching that, go check it out. I think you will love it. Whether or not you're in a relationship, we get a lot of people saying, even though they're not in a relationship, they feel that it's arming them. Uh, so that's something that I do with Lisa, my amazing wife. So be sure to check that out. All right, without further ado, question number one comes from Carrie Epperson. All right. Hey, Tom. Lately, I feel like I am connecting to my more authentic self. Very good news. I'm finding I'm getting less traction in my following. However, a few people I have really admired, I have recent connections with. The stress of exposing too much of my true self and being labeled is keeping me up at night, and I have a fear of scaring people away. Do I keep on my path and be okay with taking a detour, hopefully a wormhole to success, or do I do the opposite? All right. So first and foremost, it can be really dangerous to overfocus on following. Ironically, we actually think about the raw numbers here a lot. Um, engagement, though, is like the metric by which we really judge our community. So raw numbers and engagement, thats we really do want huge numbers in both because of what we're trying to do with the studio. But for a normal person who's really trying to... Um, build a, oh God, it really does depend on what you're trying to do with your social following. So I don't know enough to really go too deep on that, but I will say over-focusing on the numbers is a bad strategy. Now, authenticity is always the right strategy, but that doesn't mean that there aren't parts of your life that you don't talk about. So even in relationship theory, for instance, I get really squeamish talking about sex, which is odd because I am like off camera, I am not weird about that at all. I will go hard for that cake. It's just too many years of being um, an entrepreneur and being in a business setting where I find talking about that, like every alarm bell that I have goes off because you never know like what's rubbing people the wrong way. So while in my personal life, I am way comfortable with sex uh, and <clears throat> excuse me, and talking about it on camera, I get really weird about it. So um, I just, so I just don't talk about it. So that's one of those things that you need to decide for yourself what you're willing to show and not, but everything that you do show should be 100% authentic. I cannot stress that enough. In the world of social media, you want to collect people who actually think like you think, who have a similar worldview, a similar set of values, um, because at the end of the day, and again, God, some of this stuff is just so specific to what it is that you're trying to do with your following. So I'll use mine as an example. I only care about people that are interested in a growth mindset. And I'm talking across the board. Everything that we're going to do with this company is all about mindset. So whether it's a comic book, whether it's uh, the social content that you're watching right now, 
I'm going to be real. I'm going to be authentically myself. I only want people in the community that see and think that way because of what I'm trying to do in the world. I'm trying to actually have impact. That's why it's called impact theory. My theory of how to impact people on a global scale is all about belief system. It's about mindset. It's about actually building a set of values that are going to help people help others and help themselves and really achieve something with their life. So uh, to actually actuate their potential. That That's just my obsession. So I don't want people in the community that don't understand that, that don't see that, that aren't going to feed into that and help that, um, help other people adopt that and really be sort of the global um, community of, you know, the the five people you spend your most time with. Obviously, the numbers are way bigger than that, but I will say that the five ideas that you spend the most time with. So that's really, really important. So I want people in the community that reinforce that. So I'm not going to hedge my bets. I'm not going to soften my message. I'm going to go hard on that stuff. So um, that's that's the top-level logline. Always be authentic. I'll give you another reason why you should be authentic. Eventually, people are going to come for you. So if you have uh, a big enough following, there are going to be people that want to tear you down, that want to see you lose. And if you've been faking it along the way, that will be very easy for them to tear you down. So when I decided to step out front about three years ago, I said, okay, look, I'm going to have to be authentically myself. And my mantra was, I'm only going to say things that if you woke me up in the middle of the night, so I'm already drowsy and confused, you punched me in the head. So now I'm dazed and confused and asked me a question. I'm going to give you the same answer in front of the camera that I would give you then when I'm confused. And it's literally just sort of gut instinct and the truth of who you are as a human being. That has served me very well, and that's one of the reasons. So for those of you that don't know, when I get invited to speak somewhere, I do what I call the endless Q&A. And the endless Q&A means I will stand there and answer questions as long as there are questions to answer, and my record is 11 hours. Now, if you're essentially live on camera, we did a live for 24 hours once. Um, if you're on camera that much and you're answering questions from a thousand different angles, there's no like... A lot of times with celebrities, it's pretty funny, they make you give them the questions ahead of time so that they can prepare their answer. So not only, I have no preparation, I have absolutely no idea what people are gonna ask me, they can ask me anything from anywhere, and I wanna make sure that everything that I've been saying um, in building the persona is just 100% consistent, and the only way to do that is to not bullshit. So um, I don't tell lies, that's one of the reasons that I swear on camera is because I swear off camera just as much as I do on camera. It's just me. It's the truth of who I am. Um, it doesn't mean that I can't like give a talk where I don't, but I'm really trying to be authentic. So oddly, I can feel myself like uh, I have a lot more that I could say about that. Be authentic. It will serve you well. You will collect the people that you want. If you're um, afraid of who you really are, that should, because you said that it's actually keeping you up at night, um, that's probably a sign that maybe you're not satisfied with who you are right now. And so working on evolving that rather than building a following is probably the right answer uh, to get yourself in a position where you are um, either proud of who you are or proud of what you're trying to become and then just be honest with people about that journey. Okay, uh, that's enough on that. All right, Jose Gabriel Gonzalez is from Facebook. Hey, Tom, during your Ty Lopez After Impact episode, you mentioned that as a rule, you always say yes. Could you expand on what that means to you? That rule seems to conflict with the idea of saying no to distractions so that one can focus on the things that actually do matter. In other words, how do you manage to actually get stuff done if you go around saying yes to everything? All right, I really wish that Agent Smith was here. He wants to punch me in the head most days because I say yes to way too much. You're on to a nuance, uh, which is 80% of business is actually knowing what not to do. And so when I say that I have a rule to always say yes, I'm not talking about in a business context. Uh, I already say yes to too much in a business context. And by the way, I'm just gonna take this opportunity to beg forgiveness of all the people because I'm getting really ruthless about my time now. Um, I'm gonna be saying no to you, not because you're not amazing, not because you can do incredible things, just because it's not gonna help me uh, move the studio forward. And that really is just like everything that I'm focused on right now. So saying yes is in my um, my free time where my predilection is to always stay home, to never go out, to never do anything, to literally just sit and stare at my wife. Uh, that is literally my favorite pastime or play video games with my wife uh, or read. Like, God, even just now, like thinking about the things that I like to do by myself, uh, they are legion. So I find that I tend to stay home too much, that I don't network enough, that I never go out and meet people. I'm not doing things that have a chance of... Um, something extraordinary happening to me. So I had to develop a system of always saying yes when I get weird invitations to things as a way to get myself out there. So um, 
Yeah, that, that's where that comes from. So it, it really does fit into a more narrow part of my life versus just like a, a blanket statement that I always say yes. But if you're somebody that's, there's no momentum going on in your life, you're not sure what you wanna do, then broadening that to more and more, like if somebody comes to you, um, even in a work context and wants your help, then the answer there, assuming that you've already gotten your work done, probably should be yes, so that you're meeting new people, you're learning new things, you're broadening your network there within the office. I think all of that stuff is really, really smart. Uh, if you guys haven't seen the um, episode of Olympia LaPointe, she talked about that and how one of the greatest mentors that really helped her become the um, the successful rocket scientist that she was, was this guy that just had an overwhelming amount of work. He asked for help and she said yes. Um, so it, there, there really are great examples of how engaging with people, saying yes, getting outside of your comfort zone are gonna serve you very well. So, all right, next question, Lisa Medakowicz. As a widow at 50 years old, I'm struggling to figure out where to go from here. I already love this question. I'm wondering, is 50 too old to do any of what you speak of? How do you figure out how to proceed starting from such an age? All right, Lisa, lean in. This is very, very important. So at no matter what the age, none of us have, like, I may die in the middle of this episode from an aneurysm, right? We can all admit that that is true. It happens to people all the time. So the future isn't guaranteed to any of us. As we get older, we think, well, the future may not be guaranteed, but like death is getting closer and closer. And so people get themselves in this weird fucking mentality that they don't have the time to do what they wanna do. Now that probably is true, by the way. If you're like 80 years old right now, you should probably start thinking on things that are more immediate, things that don't necessarily take five years. It doesn't mean that you don't try to do really grand things. Um, and Tim Ferriss just interviewed a guy, 78, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's the founder of the Whole Earth Catalog. I don't remember his name, but if you look up Whole Earth Catalog, you'll be able to find it. Tim Ferriss interview Whole Earth Catalog. For sure, you're gonna get it. Um, and he talked about that. Now, this is a guy that's still doing incredible things at 78, but he does think about what What's the, the realistic expectation of return on my time so that if it's something that's going to take five years to return, he doesn't do that. But at 50, Jesus, like you've got 30 years in my book before you really have to start worrying, assuming you live a somewhat healthy life, before you have to start worrying about, wow, I really just don't have the time. So 50 is A, way young. B, at any age, I think that people really, really need to understand even in a year, you can get a lot of stuff done. And it's really, really all about the brain chemistry of enjoying the process. So find something intrinsically in and of itself that you enjoy doing, that you think is worthwhile, that you think is going to help the people that you wanna help. And if you ask and answer the question, what would I do every day in love even if I were failing, then go in on that. So, God, I wish we were sitting together right now because I really have a lot of questions like what your fears are. Is it a fear of failure? Is it a fear of not making money, um, which is a scary thing? My mom, who just turned 70, I'm so excited for her to retire, but she is clearly afraid to retire. But it's like, now you can pursue those things that you would enjoy doing. And even if you wanna make money, like there are a million ways these days to make money. My mom would be an insanely good copywriter. She could take gigs when she wanted, pass them up when she doesn't, the gig economy, like all of this stuff is real. Anyway, I get so fucking excited. Like, yes, 100%, you are at a perfect age to be doing all the things that I'm talking about because the greatest part of the things that I'm talking about mindset is what it does to your brain chemistry. And in simply allowing yourself to believe that you can get better at anything that you decide to set your mind to, whatever that is, your job, uh, crocheting, underwater basket weaving, snowmobile riding, whatever, like whatever it is that you wanna get better at, you can get better at. And that process of actuating your potential is in and of itself intoxicating. So look, I'm 41, homie, and I'm halfway through the 41, so there's like, not exactly a gaggle of years between you and I, but I promise you at 50, I will be the bundle of energy that people warm their hands on. That has just been the truth of my existence for a very long time because I force myself to focus on the optimistic thing. So go out and get it. All right, Mason Hulkalak. Hey, Tom, how do I know when to keep an open mind to someone who's giving me advice? Oh, God, this is great. Did you fuck you? I know why you picked this. Is he on camera? Can we get this motherfucker on camera? This kid, oh, guys. His name is Chase. He introduced me to one of the most important books I've ever read. This is gonna be in the top, probably top five. I really, Principles by Ray Dalio. Uh, I really have to think about 
where in people's journey they need to encounter it because it isn't necessarily the first, it's definitely not the first book you want to read, but oh God, it's so good. Uh, so, and he addresses this. And so I'm basically going to give you what I learned from him, but let me finish reading the question. Uh, how do I keep an open mind uh, to someone who's giving me advice versus when to ignore them, to not allow myself to fall uh, off my own track and mindset? When is it helpful advice versus hurtful advice? All right. So Ray Dalio has a principle called um, believability. Everybody needs a believability score. Now, this guy takes it to the fucking extreme. And by the way, I just took a note for us to really implement this stuff here. We're going to have to figure out how everyone needs an actual numerical value that each of us can look at and say, this is Chase's believability score. This is Tom's believability score. So you really do have to like make it quantifiable. So if somebody's giving you advice about something that they have not done in their own life, then they have basically a zero believability score. And somebody who has a zero believability score shouldn't be pushing their idea like they know something. They should be asking a lot of questions. Now, when you're talking to somebody that's done it, Ray Dalio saying is three times or more. If they've successfully done something three times or more, then they have believability in that area. So you want to find people that have believability that really know what they're talking about um, and then you should listen. You should ask a lot of questions. You should really come to understand it. If they haven't done that, they may still have amazing ideas, but what you need, because the um, you know sometimes a novice has really fresh insights because they're just not stuck in the dogmatic ways of thinking that experts usually get into, but you need to be thinking about it differently. So rather than listening to their conclusions, you should be trying to understand their methodology. How did they get there? What is their process, their reasoning for making the statement that they're making. Now, if their reasoning is sound, then their conclusion may very well be worthwhile, but you have to understand their reasoning. So one of those two things. So either they are an expert in that area and thusly you should listen, or they are not and you should only be thinking about what their process was to get to that conclusion. And then you have to be able to derive your own assessment as to whether or not you should listen to them. There's not going to be anything more empirical than that. Mad shout out to my boy, Ray Dalio for that. God, I love this book. Okay, question from Michael Foster, Facebook. Michael Foster, you're the man, P.S., by the way. Uh, what are your thoughts about what Brendan, assuming Brendan Bouchard, was saying about high performers raising necessity and how has that played a role in your story to develop impact theory? First of all, thank you for asking this question. I'm actually resisting the urge to bite the microphone right now because I want to answer so aggressively that I'm forcing myself to be a little bit mellow. This is one of those things you will, on, you will only get from your life what you need. What is an aching, burning, must-have in your life? Those are the only things that you're going to get. And guys, every time I fucking talk to somebody that is dissatisfied with their life, it is because they do not have a crushing need, something that they must make come true in their life. Do you want to know why the studio is going to work? Because I think about this shit so fucking obsessively. I have no need to be right I need the right answer. And because I need this to be successful so badly, my ego is the fuck out of the way because I just need to know what is actually going to work. So I am voraciously seeking out people that have better answers than me, that might know more something that more about it than me. Like when you're there, when you're in that position, then you're capable of the extraordinary because you will get the hell out of your own way. So to put it nice and succinctly, it is the only thing that is real, unless it is an aching need for you, you're not going to be successful. Not at the level that I'm talking about. You've got to find a way to turn it into a need. You've got to. And that's why the darkness, the sickness is so powerful. That's why the bat in Batman is such an incredible metaphor of being unwilling to tolerate anything but success. Read Tim Grover's Relentless. He talks about it. It's perfect. Read, read, read. Tim Grover relentless. All right. Thank you for that one. Uh, Dan Bead, YouTube. Hi, Tom. Any advice on getting critical feedback and how you're performing from others? E.g., no BS. What would it take but from others? I know this helped you at Quest. Paid coach, maybe. Paid coach could be a great one if you can find a really great coach. Um, I've got no beef with that. Um, I think that I'm particularly bad at getting amazing feedback from people. And that is something that we're really trying to work on here. I think that um, my personality is very aggressive and people 
So you take my personality, which is already aggressive. I say things very emphatically when I believe them, by the way. Um, and then you couple that with the fact that I pay people's salary and all of a sudden people tend not to say the hard things. And so we're, what we're doing now, so, um, principles by Ray Dalio literally rocked my world to the very foundation. And we are going to be implementing a version of that here at impact theory. And that requires people to come out of their shells. Now I have to do a very good job of making sure that the people understand. And, and this is the answer to your question. You have to do a very good job of making sure that people understand that you really want that feedback, that you're not going to slap them around for giving it to you, that you really want to get better, that you value their insights, but that you also have to understand that not everybody's believable in everything that they're going to tell you. So creating the environment where you're getting, you're spending the most time getting the answers, the no bullshit answers from people that you actually think have valuable feedback to provide you is very, very important. Uh, but never negating somebody that's not necessarily high in the believability score, but has a very sound um, set of logic that they're using to uh, break your personality down or whatever. So um, that's really, really important. And it starts with um, showing a willingness to receive that feedback, to not be punitive, to not get passive aggressive. Um, you really have to open your mind to that. So um, as I do this more here, I will certainly feed you back. Um, but yeah, I, I have not yet cracked this nut. So this is very much um, where I spend my time. So more on that later. All right, Yadira Reyes. Hi, Tom. I graduated with my master's in adult education in the spring of 2018. My passion is to help minority and first-generation college students succeed in their academic journey. However, I find that if I work in higher ed institution, I will not be able to afford to pay my student loans. What advice do you have for me? Ooh, so I'm probably not the person to um, ask this advice because I think so entrepreneurially, but that's not what you want to do. So, all right, let's talk about being a linchpin. Oh God, hard question. Okay. So what you, you actually want to help minority and first generation college students. Okay. Uh, here, here's just, this is how I think. And I feel bad because this is not going to be a useful answer to you because I, I can just feel in your question um, that an entrepreneurial answer is not going to be what you want to hear, but it's actually what I think is the no bullshit answer. So if you change out academic journey for just succeed in being able to make their own dreams come true, you and I have the exact same mission. And so I looked at what does it take? And, and the same is true, whether it's an academic journey or entrepreneurial success or being a linchpin, the truth is that people need to get so good they can't be ignored. And the only way to do that is to develop a growth mindset. And the only way to do that at scale, because I have no interest in one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so if you wanna do it just one-on-one, -on -one, I mean, I guess you could create classes or something, even there, I'm making you start a business. Um, but you could certainly be, um, a, a coach, a tutor or something like that and do one-on-one -on -one, and you could charge a lot for that. If you deliver astonishing results, you could charge a lot for that. Think of Cesar Milan, right? Was just a dog walker in the inner cities, but he was so good that he just kept getting more and more clients, word of mouth, then it was celebrity clients, and then he had his own TV show and just on and on it goes. But it all stems back from that dude is so unbelievably good with dogs that like he just needed to what I call get in the room. He needed to get in front of people and show how good he was. So if you could deliver, like imagine for a second, I know the SAT scores are different now. I don't know what they are, but when I was going through 1600 was the max. So imagine if 85% of the students that you tutor got a 1600 on their SATs, you'd be the most sought after person you could charge. Literally, I'm not joking. You could take on 10 kids at $100,000 a year and literally parents will pay it you would have a waiting list. So that, that's just the truth. So if you're getting results like that at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Now, if you think it's scale like I do, then you've got to come to the answer to the question of what does it look like to affect belief system? Because I believe humans lead with belief. What does it look like at a belief system level to touch people on a global scale? And to me, the answer is narrative. It's really taking a hold of the things that build up the fabric of our cultural belief system and changing those. And so you would end up building a studio. Um, that is literally my theory. So there you have it. All right. Uh, next up, Patrick Gora, Facebook. Hey, Tom, when and in what circumstances did you realize that money did not make you happy in your first company besides money? What else was considered to be the factor that made you leave and start your own path? All right, so um, 
what made me realize that money didn't make me happy was making more money than I'd ever made and being completely miserable. So I went from like making, well, I mean, Jesus, being on the dole and um, getting paid unemployment to making $50,000 a year at my first stable job, but there were two of us. And so um, supporting a wife who didn't work and myself on 50K wasn't exactly easy. Um, And then making, um, when I finally left that, I was making, I think, 150K a year. Um, So that for me was a lot of money. And on paper, I had equity. So I was worth millions of dollars. I was making 150,000 and I was still fucking unhappy. So that was like, okay, at this point, it's pretty clear that making more money, because I'd literally tripled my income and it had in no way, shape or form made my life better. It had not made me happier. And so just looking inward and really thinking about um, that and saying, okay, well, what makes me think that if tripling my income to 150,000 and having all this on paper money, and then if I tripled it again, which would put me well into, I think the 1%. So what's 1% it starts at 400,000, I think. So if I'm making uh, tripling that again, yeah, it would be 450,000. So I'm in the 1%, like I can just prognosticate what about that is going to make my life better. So it was very clear to me that the game I was playing was not money. It wasn't success. It was brain chemistry. So imagine me learning that and then walking in and quitting. So it was, and that's what I did by the way. So I was just emotionally so unhappy, so just like every day sucked and waking up on a Monday morning was total misery. Going to bed on a Sunday night was horrific and living for the weekends just really, really seemed like a bad strategy. So the emotional depths of my despair was what made me go in and quit, which ultimately led me, um, I didn't end up leaving. My partners were like, hey, we feel the same way. And so we then found Quest. And it was all about value creation and doing that, which we thought we would be passionate about every day, even if we were losing. So yeah, living it, going through that um, was critical. And then uh, what else did I consider to be the factor that made me leave? Yeah, it was unhappiness. So they say a fool never learns. A smart man learns from his mistakes. And a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. I have often been a fool. I have been smart. Uh, but I've rarely been wise. I hope you guys will take that answer and be wise. Look, I want to make a lot of money. A lot. I've already made an obscene amount of money, and I want to make a way more obscene amount of money, for sure. I want to enrich my life very much, but I make the demand that I do it in service of other people. And in doing that, and in feeling like the way that I'm building my business is humanity plus, is actually doing good things for other people and giving them something of real and lasting value, I feel really fucking good about that. And since I know the struggle is guaranteed and the success is not, the studio may never work, but I've completely given myself over to building it. And I love the process. This last year of my life, which is the first year where I've been full-time doing impact theory, it has been the best year of my life. And I've done nothing but hemorrhage cash. So that's like a no-brainer. Like doing this and loving what I'm doing and feeling like I'm adding value is way, way, way more important to me than making money. That does, I'm not conflicted about money though. I'm not conflicted about my wealth. I'm not weird about that. I'm not apologetic. I fucking worked my ass off delivering value and creating value in other people's lives. And I should be justly rewarded. That's how to me it should work. So um, yeah, I'm just not weird about that but I am well aware that the only thing that matters is how I feel about myself. That's it. And all the money in the world is not going to change that. So, all right. Next question, Jose Gabriel Gonzalez, Facebook. What strategies do you use to stay in touch with family and friends close to you when you are so focused and impatient to achieve your goals that you feel you have no time to socialize? Well, here's the really bad news. I am an atrocity at that. I, I think my mother is mortified by how little time I spend with her. Um, I am ridiculously bad at maintaining close friendships. I was just talking to my wife about this. I, so two things are working against me. One, the level to which I love learning knows no bounds. The excitement that I feel over building this studio knows no bounds the ridiculous way that my imagination is captured by the thought of actually pulling people out of the matrix at scale is absurd and is occupies every nook and cranny of my brain. And then to make matters worse, I am obsessed with my wife, obsessed. 
and spending time with her for me is is my great joy. So if I found out that, hey, you have three days to live, so buy, everybody get the fuck out. I just want to be with my wife. That, that's just the truth. Like nobody does to my brain chemistry what that woman does. And that has just been a truism since literally the day I met her. From the day I met her, and I don't believe in love at first sight, I was not in love, but I was way into spending time with this chick. She was super fucking cool, and I wanted to talk to her and hear her thoughts and just sit with her and all of that. <laughs> like, yeah, so because of all of that, uh, I'm really bad at the other stuff. And the worst part is I actually value it. And the friends in my life, I, I am a little heartbroken. I don't spend more time with them. And when opportunities arise, I do try to take them. There are a precious few number of people that when I see, man, I light up like a Christmas tree. By the way, my mom, one of them. So it really is ridiculous um, that I want more time. <laughs> so yeah, I'm the wrong person to ask that question. But thank you for indulging me uh, as I walked through all of that. Uh, but if you love what you do, it just sort of recedes into the background. Oh, Lewis Howes gave a great answer to this. And he said, basically, his highest priority is his vision. And he was like, that's hard to say to my family. But the truth is, my highest priority is my vision. So my highest priority is my wife. And I would burn everything to the ground if I thought that was fucking up my marriage. That is a true statement. Um, but then below that is my vision. And then below that is family and friends. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, it's hard to say out loud, but it really is true. Um, and that's just from a pure visceral emotional level. Peter Hurick. Tom, you started Quest with your mom and sister in mind. Did you have a person in mind when you started Impact Theory? Yes. And how uh, are your mom and sister doing with that original struggle? So um, the fascinating thing for me at Quest, so my sister lost 120 pounds. It was amazing. She went from clinically depressed to happy. I mean, it's just like insanity to watch her go through this whole weight loss journey. It was really, really incredible. Uh, my mom continues to struggle. And that was always a really powerful reminder that to really solve the problem uh, on a global scale, there's just so much more that has to change. And we're about to um, do a segment of Impact Theory called Health Theory. And we're gonna be bringing on thought leaders in the health space because the more I learn about this, the more that I realize not only does the entire food industry have to change, 
um, which is what I hope Quest continues to be a vanguard for. But we also have to be looking at the healthcare system, very specifically the impact that it's had on the microbiome. And I'm sure as I research this more and more, I'm gonna realize that it's even more terrifying and complicated than I think now. And I already think that it's insanely complicated. Um, so that's a very big thing. But to solve my mom's problem, because you have to take the position of, um, you know, it's just not that interesting to my mom. So she's not like, you know, diving in and thinking, how can I diet and exercise? And what can I do with my microbiome? It just doesn't capture her imagination. So now you have to be able to address somebody that is literally either apathetic or totally antagonistic to change. And how do you affect even them? So changing the food supply is one, changing our healthcare system is another. Um, so those are two of the tent poles, but there's probably gonna be, you know, 15 tent poles. Um, so, and then I think that you would see people changing even if they don't don't want to. But as of right now, that is not the case. Um, and then, oh, yes, I did have a person that I was thinking in mind when I started um, Impact Theory. His name is Rashawn. Um, and I won't give you his last name. I fear I've said it before, but uh, moving forward. Um, but that was the kid that I worked with um, in the inner cities that really first introduced me to the problem of mindset, to perspective, and how problematic that can be. So I think about him a lot. All right, Vinka from YouTube. I have been depressed for years, okay? Uh, I'm doing better, but I can't shake a nothing matters attitude. I get excited about my plans and start working on them and then stop. How do I stop devaluing, I think, uh, my future plans? Okay, so first of all, if we're really talking about depression, like clinical depression where your brain chemistry and your wiring is now out of whack, you need to seek a professional. Do not fuck around with depression. Um, the rates of suicide among people that are depressed is absolutely scary. So literally what I say to depressed people is you are gambling with your life. And and that, that is just way too terrifying. So I would very immediately seek help. Um, and man, don't be tense about medication. If you have to medicate, medicate. Like whatever we need to do to get the brain chemistry moving in the right direction, that is first and foremost. Then follow the following steps. None of them are going to be easy, but they will radically transform your depression. So number one, get sleep. Go to bed early. Now, you're probably having a chemical problem with sleeping. This is not the form, Matt, to uh, discuss that, and I'm not an expert, so go research on that, but you need to do whatever the hell you need to do to get sleep, so prioritize sleep. Second, start working out first thing in the morning. Of course, you probably don't want to, but you absolutely need to, and I think the people that struggle with depression, 100% sleep exercise and eat right. Those are the three most important things. Mindset will be fourth. Sleep, exercise, diet. Those are the first three. Mindset is fourth. So I'm your number four guy. You need to get the other three in place first. So you're gonna go to bed on time. You're going to sleep as much as you need. Don't set an alarm. Once you wake up, and yes, I have a job too, and I'm gonna bank on the fact that I work way more hours than you. So if I can sleep without setting an alarm, and my days often start at like four in the morning, three in the morning, so you just have to go to bed early, which means yes, you're gonna be giving up things at night. Just gotta do it. So get to bed, work out, work out hard, start however you need to start. Ultimately, we wanna get you to working out hard so you're really pushing your body, but doing something, anything is better than nothing, even if it's just going for a brisk walk. And then next, you gotta get your diet right. So the very easiest, not easy, simplest thing to do, cut out sugar, period, plain and simple. Listen to Rob Wolf's podcast. He takes a non-dogmatic approach to eating right. He had literally thought he was gonna have to have the vast majority of his intestines removed and he turned himself around. Absolutely incredible story. Um, so yeah, get your diet right. Drop sugar. If you'll really let me push it, drop carbohydrates to virtually nothing. Uh, if you took in carbohydrates only from vegetables in a steamed format, you would be way ahead of the curve. Um, and then read about ketogenics is a high, high, high recommendation from me. Um, so yeah, those are the things. And then from once you do that, come back and we'll talk mindset. All right, Corliss Kirkwood Sadbu. It's a serious name. I'm a single mom, 39. I work in IT and love my lifestyle or job. I love 
and. I love my lifestyle and job. That makes more sense. I feel pressure to do more all the time from others since I'm outgoing and capable. However, I'm afraid if I start a business, I'll lose my time and flexibility to be an amazing mom. Do I seek to grow more professionally or seek to hold on to key parenting values? I would hate to miss games or her activities. What are your thoughts? You are making it very easy to answer this question. So absolutely do not sacrifice on your key parenting values clearly in your question, um, that tells me that that's probably the paramount value in your life. That's amazing. Know your value system. I don't think there's any one way to be. I think there is simply acknowledging what is real and true for you. And so if you want to be a great parent, yes, crush it. Be the, um, be a linchpin work within the framework of somebody else's company going, you're going to be there anyway. So it's about flipping a switch and saying every day I'm going to show up and I'm going to play to win. I'm going to try to get better every day. I'm going to ask people how I can help. I'm going to try to, um, um, really create a safe team in this company where they know they can rely on me, I can rely on them, and I want to find out like how my position plugs into other um, departments so that I can really, really do a great job and I can really look at the problems that the company faces and make sure that I'm addressing that in a way that helps everybody. So if you're doing that, you're getting so good that you can't be ignored. First of all, you're gonna move up the ranks you're gonna be happier because I really believe that a fundamental part of human happiness is the gaining of mastery, like actually getting better at something, not plateauing. And if you want to know about plateau, let's talk about doctors for a second. Can you believe it's something like by year three, so let's say they're a doctor for 30 years, by year three, they get as good as they're ever going to get. And that the intervening 27 years don't make them any better. That freaks me out. That really freaks me out. And it freaks me out because doing something over and 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 over does not make you better. Intentionally setting out and saying, I'm not very good at this. And so I want to get better at this particular thing. How do I go about it? And then finding some metric by which to judge yourself. So that's the key. And then seeing if you're actually making progress or not. So I highly, highly encourage you to do that. Being a linchpin is really rewarding. I think it will rub off on your daughter. It'll still give you the time to do the things that you want to do, uh, not having the stress of being an entrepreneur, all that. Remember, the vast majority of the world is not going to be an entrepreneur. The math just doesn't add up. So um, there it is. All right. Daniel Bro. Dan Bro Fitness. What is up, dude? All right. When you started your social platforms, you decided to build your personal brand instead of using Impact Theory brand. What pros and cons have you found from using your name? Okay. God damn it. This this is impossible to answer this question. Ah, so here's how it went. I'm not joking. Maybe the night before we launched, everything was going to be impact theory. Um, the only thing that we were going to build was impact theory. And the reason that I wanted to do that was I knew that nobody's ever going to tattoo Tom Bilyeu on themselves. And I believe in being a badge brand. I believe in meaning something to people. And look, if you've been listening to me now for the last year, you know, my obsession is making impact theory, a badge brand that people will literally tattoo. We've already had at least two tattoos, not of the logo yet, but we've had somebody tattoo ideas in equal ideas out on their wrist. And we had somebody else tattoo. I'm the type of person that on their forearm. In fact, who was it? That It was Daniel Breeze, right? So tattooed that on his forearm. I'm like, dude, that's when you know you're adding value to people's lives. When that means so much to them that they want to permanently put it on their body. So um, that's incredibly, incredibly important. So the night before, like that's where we were. And then I realized that I can't send Impact Theory to speak at your event. Impact Theory can't sit here and talk into the camera. So building my persona and letting people know, because all of the ideology of Impact Theory as of today is precisely Tom Bilyeu. It is me um, putting my beliefs into an entity. So I thought, in what's going on with personal branding as a way to build a following, I wanna be able to capitalize on that. And if there's always a once removed factor of it being impact theory and not me, that um, I'm not gonna be able to grow my following as fast as I want. But make no mistake, the long-term play is impact theory. So um, I, if I had to do it over again, I would have named the show, the Tom Bilyeu Show, which Dr. Finesse all but begged me to do. And I said, absolutely not. No one is gonna to tattoo Tom Bilyeu on themselves. Who wants to come on the Tom Bilyeu show? Like Impact Theory tells people what it's about, blah, blah, blah. Now we're creating so much fucking confusion because by the way, if you haven't already, if you're into movies, comic books, TV shows, if you wanna know how that stuff can empower you, how it can change your life, go right now to youtube.com forward slash Impact Theory Studios 
Impact Theory Studios and dive into that content. That is the future of this company. And 10 years from now, I really hope that I'm way less of the front men for this company and that we're just doing so much amazing content and changing so many people's lives that you guys think about all those characters versus just thinking about me. Now, I'm a big believer in continuing to do what got you here. So look, I know that going out, meeting people, doing the events, touring around like a musician, doing endless Q and A's, doing the Amas, like I will keep doing this stuff forever. I just hope that what dwarfs what I'm doing here is all of the content that we're gonna be creating because I think that stuff has the ability to really touch people emotionally, allows them to take ownership of it in a way that they can't take ownership of me. So yeah, but it's all confusing and we've totally fucked it up. And I, uh, I look, I think the reality is this stuff evolves over time. I think we actually made the right decision for where we were. It just, it gets complicated as you go. There you go. All right, so Ricardo Pules, Pules. Uh, if you have not reached rock bottom or have had a life-changing experience, do you think we can create such a life-changing experience or do we have to build our winning brick by brick? Okay. Um, so um, I think the honest answer is the human animal is really bad at change without suffering. And I wish that weren't so. I wish there was a, an easy way. But look, all the information that you need is out there right now. Go read a book, go listen to a podcast, find somebody that's been successful in the way that you want and listen to them. The bad news is you won't take all of their advice. You'll take some of it, some small percentage, but the reality is you're gonna have to go out and try and suffer and fail all on your own to, to learn. Now, the great news is it works and it works really well. And if you fail and suffer and fall on your face and get back up enough times and really reflect on it, then you're gonna get better. And Ray Dalio has an amazing math equation, which I'm gonna use so much. I think it's really, really powerful. And that is pain, plus reflection equals progress. And I think that that's incredibly, incredibly true. And the human animal just needs that bit of pain. It is the compass that's going to allow you, if you reflect on why you're feeling that pain, what you did wrong, how you failed, you don't deflect, you don't make it somebody else's problem. You really just look at how did I fuck this up? If you look at that and are willing to make the changes, you really will make progress. I don't see a way to really have grand scale change without the suffering. That's the truth. All right, this is from Thomas Stockline. Tom, if Quest Nutrition and Impact Theory were to go out of business tomorrow and you were to lose all of your money and material possessions, what would you do? Starting from scratch, what are the first things you would do in the first 90 days? Oh, God, this is awesome. Okay, so what would I do? Okay, step number one. Deal mourn. So honestly, like I, I would, I would allow myself a period of mourning, and I would define that. Now, I'm not going to stand still during the mourning period, but I think the reality is you have to. Okay, who am I kidding? I wouldn't do that. Um, I would defer my mourning. I've been through something like this, so I know exactly what I would do. I would defer the morning and I would immediately contact. I would make a list of all the people that were in the world. So unless I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume for a second that Impact Theory went out of business. Um, for reasons other than that the industry, um, I'll assume the industry hasn't imploded. That's a very weird way of saying that. Um, so I'm gonna go to the 10 people that I've already earned credibility with, that know what I'm capable of, that know how I think, that know my uh, process, that like me, wanna be around me, and I'm gonna go offer my services to them. And I'm going to ask for either no money, if at all possible, if I can, my wife and I can sleep on somebody's couch or something like that. Um, and in fact, I may send my wife to get a job that at least makes some money so that we can eat, so that I can then begin going back into the industry and delivering value. I think it's the area that I'm gonna be able to deliver the most value. And um, I would aim to get equity, that's me, um, so that people understand, look, my business may have failed, but here's my vision, Here's where I think I can add value. I would go in and I would have such a freakish level of detail for what I'd be able to do for their company and that I would be asking for equity. Equity is a big thing for me. So um, I wouldn't worry so much about salary. I would just make sure that I was making enough to eat. Um, I don't, my ego isn't tied up in the house. So as much as I love the house and I love all the worldly possessions, um, my ego is tied up in my ability to learn and my willingness to suffer. Like if you really wanna know what makes me an egomaniac, it's those things. So why do I do an 11 hour Q and A? Cause I know nobody else can do it. So, and I, it's just like every minute that passes, I'm getting more and more arrogant about it and feeling great. And it's not like an ugly arrogance. It's like a fun arrogance of belief in myself. So uh, I'm going to go to them with a 
scary detailed plan about the way that I'm going to help their company. It is not bullshit. It's not fluff. I will really be breaking down how I can help their company so that I can go in and fucking crush that meeting and say, look, you know what just happened. I will own my mistakes. I won't bullshit. I'll say, this is exactly what happened. This is what I learned. This is why I'm not going to make those mistakes again. And this is what I think that I can do for your company. This is why I think that I deserve equity. And I'm just going to go down that list. Someone is going to say, yes, I would first go down, um, everything that I want to do in the film industry. And if I don't get any bites there, then I would immediately go down food nutrition. Um, and then, uh, literally guaranteed one of those two areas, somebody would bring me on as an equity partner because my pitch would be ridiculous to the point where if all they did was take the meeting, their business would be better for it. So I hold myself accountable to that, to real results. I would be the best interview they ever had. I would be trying to give away every idea for their company that I have because I know ideas are a dime a dozen and all that matters is execution. So they will be in the meeting thinking, oh my God, if this is what he's willing to do just to get like a meeting with us, what would he be willing to do if we actually brought him on and started paying him something? So, and again, I would throw my ask financially in the fucking dirt. And I would say, look, I'll work at this for a year. Um, and if Lisa's working and we can afford to eat, I would work for free. And I would say, I'll do this for a year. I have no problem. What I want is the equity. And then I would work my way back up. So yeah, I actually get excited answering that question because if you can't face the loss of all your material possessions with excitement, it means that you don't believe in your abilities and you need to spend time focused on your abilities. Uh, so yeah. All right. Brad Spann, Facebook. How do I focus on accomplishing one thing at a time when I have so much to do in one day? What's the best way to give your attention to what matters while still accomplishing the other things that need to get done? Example, I have lots of schoolwork to do every day, but also want to spend time learning the things I need to achieve my goals. All right. So this is all about getting really efficient with your time. So you're going to want to make a list. I titled mine important things and title yours, whatever you think is best. And on that list, it's, it's all action items. So it isn't just pontification. It's going to be, here are the things that I need to do and in order. So make sure that they're in order of what uh, Tim Ferriss calls the lead domino. So you want to knock over that, um, the thing that then will cause other things to fall over first, excuse me. So Find that lead domino, make sure that you're doing that first, do the hard things, do the important things, do them in order, and make sure that you're blocking out your time. Make sure you also carve out time to think. So you need both, but um, at the end of the day, if you're not taking action, nothing matters. So I would keep that list and I would live in that list and I would just constantly be going through that list to make sure that I'm moving the most important things forward first. Um, and then make sure that you're being deadly efficient with your time. So if you audit your time, I think you'd be as horrified as if you audit what you actually eat. And most people don't realize how many weird little calories they slip in here and there, especially if you have kids and you're eating a French fry or two off their plate, you're having some of their macaroni. It's like time is exactly the same. Like how much time did you spend at the water cooler just chatting? How much time did you spend on Reddit? Like all these things end up sucking away a lot of your time and people don't realize how much of their time they lose to that. So getting deadly efficient with your time, I think you'll find that you have plenty of time to do things sequentially. You can't do everything you want at the same time, but you can certainly do them sequentially if you're really efficient with your time. Okay. Uh, next, the art of unpredictability. If impact theory is so centered on you, do you worry uh, what might happen when you're no longer the front man for the company? Do you have plans in place to hand that off eventually? I have absolutely no plans to hand it off right now, but will if we're as successful as I want to be, then a succession plan will become absolutely critical. Uh, if I, even if I don't plan to live forever, this is a simpler way to answer the question. Uh, I've still got, assuming my health um, stays in order, I've got, God, are you going to give me 40 years? I mean, um, what's his name? Berkshire Hathaway. Buffett, Warren Buffett, thank you, is in his 80s. He's still kicking it. Uh, so hopefully you'll give me at least 40 years that I'll be able to do this. So thinking about a succession plan right now, I think it'd be a real waste of time. Um, but my wife has very strict instructions. If I die, she shuts down the business immediately. So... That, that's just the reality. As of right now, this is a cult of personality and it can't stay that way forever. I don't want it to stay that way. That is actually not what I get off on or enjoy. Um, what I really, really enjoy, in fact, I ask this of everybody, not everybody, I've asked this many, many, many times of people coming into the company. There are two choices before you. Choice number one, you help, let's say five people and they all know who you are. They would credit you with transforming their life at your funeral, they would say, this man is the woman, is the reason that I have been successful. Plain and simple, I owe everything to them. They're crying and it's like, you touch their lives, you touch their family's lives. Or 
Would you rather affect 5 million people and none of them know who you are? Now for me, it's not even a tough choice. I would rather affect the 5 million people and they have absolutely no idea who I am. At scale is all I care about. That's it. I am obsessed with doing things at scale. I've actually never taken the time to reflect on why I like that so much, but scale is what matters to me. Really helping a lot, a lot, a lot of people. That is the thing that I'm really driven by. So um, ultimately, I think that, yeah, I mean, ultimately, unless medical science does what I hope they do and allow me to live forever, um, I am going to die at some point, and this is going to have to be passed on to somebody else. And so I'll worry about it at some point, but probably not until about 10 or 15 years before I think, okay, I'm probably going to retire. Uh, and then you start grooming somebody. All right, Marco Marquez. How do you deal with pain? Do you reward yourself each day? Do you seek instant gratification or do you wait until you receive the pleasure you actually want, like achieving your long-term goals? Um, so it really depends on what the pain is. If it's an acute pain, I force myself to lean into it. So like when I'm at the dentist and it really hurts, um, then I'll actually open my mouth wider to make sure that they get like absolutely no subtle signal for me that I'm in pain uh, because I want them to do whatever the hell they need to do, no matter how much it hurts. And then I'm rewarding myself uh, in a self-congratulatory way for not being a wuss and for dealing with the pain when it's in service of something that I actually want to do and achieve. Um, when it's a longer term, like slower pain, um, like just being ultra disciplined, not eating the things that I want to eat, um, oftentimes I'll focus on the results to keep myself really excited about what I'm doing. So with diet, living forever, uh, optimizing my cognition, looking good naked, I'll stop and think about those things and think about having a discipline that other people don't have. And that gets me excited. I'll also reframe it. So if if I'm really dieting hard and I know that I'm going to be hungry for hours and hours and hours on end, days and weeks stacking up, I will welcome the hunger like an old friend. And I will literally say in my head, welcome hunger, my old friend. I'm so glad that you're here because it means that I'm metabolizing fat. So I do things like that to really get my head in the right place so that I'm looking at something as positive. I'm looking at what it's bringing me. I'm focused on my goals. I know what I want. Um, I'm focused on the identity of being the kind of person that's willing to do that. And again, it's self-congratulatory uh, because you're really stoked that you've got the discipline and the ability to do that stuff. So learning how to be self-congratulatory in a way that isn't gross, that doesn't make you an egomaniac, all of that stuff, I think is really, really important. And people need to learn to do that, to have compassion, to have love for yourself, to really be stoked on who you're becoming. Um, I think is a really, really important thing. Okay, this is gonna have to be the last question. Irvin R. Sanchez. Hey, Tom, what steps did you take to separate business growth from personal growth? I often find myself confused on which one to grow, but I do know that if you don't grow, your business won't grow either. Any tips? So for me, they're inextricably connected. And my advice to anybody, whether you're a linchpin employee or whether you're an entrepreneur, there should not be any difference between yourself as a person and what you're doing as a job. You spend 50% of your waking hours at your job. 50% of your waking hours are at your job. So, and that's assuming, I think I did the math at like a 40 or 50 hour work week. So if you work as much as I do, where it's like 90 hours, sometimes more, then it's like, okay, at some point, like if there is a difference between who you are as a person, the things you want to learn and grow and get better at, and what you're spending all that time on, I don't think you're going to look back too favorably on your life. And quite frankly, I don't think you're going to enjoy it in the moment because I'm not a legacy guy. I don't think about like, I literally, I am not at all worried about what I'm going to think on my deathbed because hopefully my deathbed isn't a very long endeavor. So I would rather live my life the way that I'm enjoying it right now today. Like I'll just tell you, I'm going to regret on my deathbed. I will for sure regret not having kids. A hundred percent. Like that is so patently obvious to me. And when people ask like, aren't you worried? You're going to regret it. Not even a little bit because I would regret having kids today. And today hopefully is a lot longer because you got a whole lot of today's than your deathbed. So to me, optimize for what makes you feel the most alive every day in the struggle because the struggle is guaranteed. So that's where I like to spend my time thinking about that, thinking about the things that are making me the person that I want to become right now in the moment. If I'm fighting with something at work that I'm still having to learn the skills that I would want to learn even if I wasn't at work. And so, yeah, that's it. And I think that you can find that whether you're a linchpin employee or whether you're an entrepreneur, you just have to select the company that you work for or the company that you create very very, very carefully. All right. 
That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm very, very excited. We've got some things in the works on the studio side that hopefully we'll be able to share um, not too long into the new year. We're in the final stages of contract negotiations on a project that I am insanely excited about. And when we get to announce this, it's going to be fucking awesome. I'm super amped about it. Um, and by the way, we are beginning to take submissions right now. The process is a little bit clumsy, but if any of you out there are writers, um, or animators or, um, even graphic designers, but that's a totally separate thing. But if you guys are, um, writers, that's a really big one that we need right now. And you've got a project or you want to submit just something you've already done, um, to be considered for our collaboration, um, incubator for lack of a better word. Email connect at impact3.com. We'll send you the submission paperwork and then you can send it back. Um, so we are very much in that process now. And hopefully, um, if not before the end of the year, early in the new year, we'll have that whole submission process automated. Uh, but do start sending that stuff in as the studio is now going to be um, creating their first um, creative projects, which I'm very, very excited about. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.